Today's show is sponsored by Datadog. Now with cloud security posture management, Datadog allows you to see compliance scores across your infrastructure and track conformance to industry benchmarks such as CIS and other regulatory standards, out-of-the-box cloud and infrastructure configuration rules. Datadog Cloud Security Posture Management, CSPM, performs configuration audits across cloud accounts, hosts, and containers. As a special offer for Cloudcast listeners, you can sign up for a free two-week trial to see for yourself how Datadog can elevate your cloud infrastructure security posture by going to datadog.com slash security dash cloudcast. That's datadog.com slash security dash cloudcast. Sign up now and receive a free Datadog t-shirt. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hope everybody is doing well. Hope everybody is uh, getting ready for the holiday season in, uh, in your part of the world. And you know, as we kind of get towards the end of the year, we've got a couple more Sunday Perspective shows. Today's a Sunday Perspective, and uh, a couple more Sunday Perspectives, and uh, one more interview, and then Aaron and I will do a, a year-end wrap-up show. So getting towards the end, hope everybody is uh, doing well for 2021. What I kind of want to talk about today, uh, I kind of want to kick it off here, and then we'll we'll dig into it after the break. But uh, you know, as, as most people know who are following what's going on, and uh, had a, a listener reach out to us and say, "Hey, um, you know, I hope you guys you, you know saw that uh, AWS had an outage. Uh, AWS, the U.S. East One region, probably the most popular and largest region uh, in AWS, had an outage this past week, uh, December tenth, for part of the day." Um, and it impacted uh, a lot of different things. Uh, you know, a lot of different services uh, have some aspect of, of AWS, whether it's a customer directly working with a AWS primitive, like compute, networking, storage, whatever it might be, or, you know, it's a popular service that you use day-to-day um, that uses an AWS service, right? So um, in our case, we use uh, a podcast distribution service, and we were a little concerned throughout the day as to whether or not we'd be able to get uh, the weekly podcast out. But anyways, what I want to do is not so much dive into the AWS uh, outage itself, uh, because outages happen, but what I kind of want to do is sort of give some perspective, our perspective on we, how we think about some of these outages and um, you know, kind of some of the sort of first, second, third order ramifications and and uh, things that happen uh, when an outage occurs, both sort of the immediate effects and then sort of the second and third order effects um, that come out of an outage. So kind of want to dig into that right after the break. Today's show is sponsored by JumpCloud. Introducing the JumpCloud directory platform, the directory reimagined for the modern world. JumpCloud changes the way IT administrators manage their organizations by providing a comprehensive and flexible cloud directory platform. From one pane of glass, manage user identities and resource access, secure Mac, Windows, and Linux devices, and get a full view of your environment. Try JumpCloud for free today at jumpcloud.com and help your organization move to a modern, secure, hybrid work model. And we're back. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to talk a little bit about cloud outages. Uh, this one got spurred by the outage that happened in uh, AWS US East 1 this past week. But I don't really want to dive into that one too much. The postmortem is now just coming out. It's, I don't know, about a page or so long and goes into maybe two pages. goes into some details of what happened. Um, 
But what I really kind of what I wanted to do was sort of give some perspective on on how we think about cloud outages, um, especially you know now that we're you know 10, 12, 15 years into uh, cloud being a very very mainstream technology, and um, you know many of the services that we rely on on a daily basis, whether it's you know raw compute, storage, networking, and so forth, or SaaS services, or something that monitors something that you care about. There are you know hundreds and thousands and thousands of things that rely on various cloud services to be up and running and integrations within those cloud services. So, you know, it's, it's always interesting. I mean, um, you know, the first thing that sort of jumps to mind is, you know, we have cloud outages on a pretty regular basis. Um, maybe not entire clouds, right? It's very rare that the entire cloud goes away, but it's not unusual to see, you know, various services that we consider the cloud uh, go away on, you know, somewhat of a regular basis, not, you know, every week, every month, maybe every quarter, but it's not unusual to have uh, GitHub down for a day or, you know, a day, GitHub down for part of a day, Slack down for part of a day, uh, Google services being down for part of a day. Uh, we saw Amazon and these are all within the last quarter ish or so. Right. And it used to be uh, a massive, massive deal when this happened, um, especially when it happened at untimely uh, times, if you will, you know, uh, leading up to Black Friday or you know the launch of a movie or something on a streaming service or whatever. Um, and I feel like to a certain extent, we've sort of learned to compartmentalize it, right? We, we, we do kind of go through the normal five levels of grief, right? There's denial. Hmm, is it really down? Let me check with somebody else. There's some services on the web where you can check, you know, is this site really down? We go through isolation. Uh, you know, is is this down for you guys? Is it down in your part of the world? Um, is it just this service? You know, is it just the service X or is it service Y or is it everywhere else? So we kind of go through that, and we go through anger because we're frustrated. We we had planned to use that service. You know, we wanted to get something done for the day. We had uh, dependencies, if you will, or we just wanted to get go home for the day, whatever it would be. And then we begin bargaining with ourselves and start asking ourselves, well, you know. How can I deal with this, right? And I mentioned at the top of the hour, um, Aaron and I were sitting there about five or six o'clock on Tuesday night, getting ready to publish the show, and uh, not this show, but the previous show. And we were kind of wondering, hmm, I wonder if this is going to happen. And if it doesn't happen, what's our backup plan, right? If we can't get it published tonight for the normal Wednesday first thing in the morning thing, you know, is it okay if we publish it later on Wednesday? Because we assume it'll be back and running. So kind of go through that bargaining thing. And then there's sort of the depression and acceptance of what's going on, right? Like, ah, I'm bummed it doesn't work. And then we accept it, right? So, you know, we, we sort of are used to going through those five, six stages of, of grief uh, when the cloud goes down, some service that we need goes down. But we've really kind of learned to compartmentalize it, right? We've learned to go, okay, well, that thing I'm working on, I can't work on it. What else can I do? Maybe you jump on Twitter. Maybe you start to read a book. Maybe you just take on some other part of a project that you was, you know, you're backlogged. And, and so... I think to a certain extent, we we deal with outages better than we did in the past, right? In the past, there was a lot of, um, you know, a lot of blame to go around. Uh, sometimes you see sniping between cloud providers. We really don't see that anymore. You know, I think the cloud providers have all had their fair share of outages. Um, you know, they realize that at the scale of things that they're doing, uh, it is very, very difficult to make it work all the time. And, and when failures happen, oftentimes, no matter how anti-fragile or how resilient they've tried to make it, um, things happen, right? Sometimes they are system-level failures, right? The system wasn't designed to do certain things. Capacity failed at a certain level. Uh, there was dependencies that had cascading dependencies. 
In other cases, we've seen it's just uh, it's a human error. A bad patch was sent, uh, a bad script was run, you know, bad source control, or um, you know, something like that was was in place. So, you know, we've seen both sides of it, both system level, automation, architecture level problems, and also human level things. And I think we've learned as an industry to be much better about, you know, not sniping, not blaming, not um, sort of chastising that service when it goes down. Because again, um, A, it's bad karma. B, uh, we've seen it happen more and more for different things. And we sort of realized that, um, you know, no one company, no matter how good they are, or Google and Amazon and Azure, Oracle and IBM, uh, you know, Alibaba or uh, you know, Slack or whoever is impervious from, from these types of things happening, right? Computers break. I think the one good thing we've really seen come out of this is uh, a lot more transparency happens, right? We see post-mortems fairly quickly, um, in some cases within the day, you know, or, you know, 24 hours. In some cases, um, sometimes it takes a week, depending on how broad the problem was, how complex the problem was. Um, sometimes there are some things that have to be key. You know, as transparent as companies are getting, more and more transparent, um, there are some things sometimes they have to kind of keep opaque uh, because... You know, it exposes something that not so much they don't want to share, but maybe there are some legal reasons they can't share something, or maybe there's a contractual reason they can't share some things, or whatever it might be. But I think we're seeing more and more of the postmortems uh, go into pretty good detail. Um, you know, they they tell us what happened, they they help us understand the timing of when it happened, what actions were taken, what communication was put out into the marketplace. Um, you know, how they're going to try and remedy this in the future, how they're going to try and make whole with customers, whether it's through, you know, financial means or through other means of trying to create trust and so forth. So the postmortems have become much more commonplace. Um, you know, people obviously still ask for them, but they tend to come out pretty quickly. So I think that's great. I think the other thing that we've learned a lot about this is we continue, we collectively as a whole, continue to not really understand how the clouds are built. Uh, I think we've learned two things. One is not every cloud is built the same way. Um, so how Google builds their cloud services is different than AWS, is different than Azure. Um, and so, you know, when, when a failure happens, you can't necessarily just kind of go, oh, well, if, uh, you know, cloud access having this problem and it's affecting this service, then then the other these other things will happen, right? Like we don't, we don't always know those dependencies. But I think the even bigger thing is we really don't understand, uh, and it's this is not transparent to us, and for for kind of for obvious reasons, um, you know, the cloud providers don't necessarily tell us how everything works, and part of that comes with the fact that it's like, hey, we're running this service, we know how to run this service, um, you know, there, there are things we have to do to run a shared service, but to a certain extent, um, you know, when failures happen, um, it does become somewhat problematic, right? It's you know, you've got lots of engineers sitting around going. I tried to do some things. I tried to move some things. I tried to change some things, and I just can't see inside of that black box. And and that's not a you know a, a huge problem, but it becomes challenging when you have multi-tenant systems, right? When it's one system, you own the system, you have access to the system. You may not know what you're doing to fix it, but but you can get into it and see it, right? The clouds uh, don't necessarily always give you that that type of thing, and so you know I think where it becomes much more difficult is. While there are lots of best practices, there are lots of um, you know, reference architectures, if you will, um, we don't always know what the real dependencies are. We don't really always know how to model the best uh, failure scenarios and so forth. And I think that that will continue to be a frustration of cloud architects and, and application developers and so forth. Um, but it, you know, it's, it's still an area that 
while things have gotten better and more transparent, you know, is still a flaw of, not a flaw, uh, a deficiency of, of working with the clouds. Uh, but it's also a necessity of working with a shared service that, you know, has hundreds of services and millions or thousands of customers. Um, you know, there are going to be some things that they have to do to make that work. And to a certain extent, you may not always know exactly how that works because 99.999% of the time you don't need to see that exposed. It actually having it exposed might make things more difficult for you. So a lot of that I think is still, uh, the goods and bads of what we've seen, um, you know, whenever we have a, a cloud outage, um, you know, I am encouraged that these outages tend to be uh, hours uh, as opposed to, you know, in the past we'd seen them for days. Um, you know, there'd be a, a heart bleed kind of a bug and that might take something out for a week. Or, um, you know, we had Delta Airlines back in 2015 or 16 with sort of a well, well-known um, outage uh, with um, something that caused people not to be able to fly. And we've seen that with other airlines. And I don't you know, mean to point out Delta in particular, but I mean, We've seen things in the past that took multiple years. Um, now, with the cloud and public cloud, we tend to see those things kind of be a couple of years, a couple of hours, if you will. You know, a couple of hours, multiple hours, whatever it might be. But they don't tend to stretch into days. So again, you know, it kind of now fits better into our compartmentalized kind of failure domain. Uh, we can we can deal with it for a day, right? Unlike you know a flood or fires or a hurricane or some natural disaster that oftentimes, you know disables situations for many days at a time. Now, the other thing that comes up all the time, and, uh, you know, I mentioned at the beginning, uh, you know, sniping at other companies, clouds, whatever, doesn't really add a whole lot of value. I mean, people like to do it. But the other sort of two knee-jerk reactions that come out of a cloud outage in many cases is the first one is people come back and they go, well, you know, you should have designed that application for multi-region, Right. Instead of just one region, like a U.S. East having a problem or or whatever, uh, you should have designed it for multi-region. Right. And we spent a lot of the early cloud days having companies like uh, Netflix and uh, you know Chaos Monkey and all sorts of things going. Yes, you need to design for this, and the good news is the tools are there for you. But the reality is, um, you know, in those scenarios, it's not so much purely can I figure out the technology. It's also can I afford to do that. Right. And, you know, days like today, sometimes um, people come back and go, well, you can't afford not to do it. Well, I mean, there is some math involved here, right? There's some there's some basic cost modeling that goes on because to a certain extent, uh, you know, depending on the service, depending on the architecture you use, those multi regions are going to involve not only, you know, deploying pairs or tertiary, you know, three, four five copies of whatever you're doing. But you really have to think about where do the network flows go? You know, how do I reroute traffic when there's problems? How much does it cost to move data from one region to another? And not every service within AWS acts exactly the same, right? And also, not every third-party service that's running on top of AWS acts exactly the same, right? So the whole idea of, like, you should design for multi-region is nice in theory, uh, and it may make economic sense to you if you can figure out what does an outage cost you? And and then go, okay, what will it cost me to design for multi-region? But I think the realities are, uh, you know, for a lot of companies, uh, the economics don't make sense. Um, and they're sort of betting on or using, you know, kind of logic that says, well, these outages don't last that long. Um, I'm going to, you know, kind of bet that I can weather through, you know, five hours, six hours, two hours, one hour, whatever it might be at, you know, few number of times per year. Um, you know, so, you know, be cautious when you start seeing everybody say, Hey, 
you know, you should just design for multi-region because A, it may be very difficult for your application, uh, but B, it may just be cost prohibitive. Um, and again, that really boils down to you having a good understanding of what does an hour of uptime cost you versus an hour of downtime? Uh, and then how much does it cost you to actually run that service in multi-region? Because that's not a simple, straightforward, plug in a few th- numbers equation. It really involves the types of services that you're using uh, and really kind of, like we say, sometimes follow the money, but also follow the data, right? If your data is crossing regional boundaries, depending on which service it uses to cross those boundaries, uh, and whether you're dealing with a native say AWS or Azure or Google service versus a, a third-party service. So for example, if your compute is talking to you know, a MongoDB uh, Atlas service, for example, um, oftentimes those are charged differently, right? So you gotta be very conscious of, of what's going on there. The other knee-jerk reaction that happens a lot of times, and sometimes this comes from various vendors, is to go, well, you know, it's not even just a multi-region issue, you should be multi-cloud. And I think the reality that we've seen with multi-cloud is uh, on one hand, most companies, to a certain extent, are already multi-cloud, right? They're running some stuff in AWS, and they'll use some services from Google, or they'll use some services from Salesforce, or Slack, or GitLab, or GitHub, or WebEx, or Zoom, or whatever, right? So they're already multi-cloud to a certain extent. It's just very rare that we see applications that are multi-cloud, right? Um, they may be an application that has dependencies in multiple clouds, but it's very rare to see a company run uh, the same application just for replication reasons in multiple clouds, right? And part of the reason for that is because, you know, it might have made sense for data sovereignty reasons if, you know, one cloud provider had a bigger footprint and you couldn't get into a certain country or something and data had to stay local there. But for the most part, the cloud providers, at least the biggest ones, have sort of, you know, followed each other into different parts of the world. You can more or less get the same cloud services. But the other part is, you know, it kind of goes back to the thing I talked about, um, you know, being in more than one region, uh, especially more than one cloud, especially, is you start thinking about, you know, okay, let's say I run one cloud as my primary, and I think my second cloud is a backup. You know, the biggest cost you're going to have in that is in data replication, data, you know, continuous data replication, network cost to move data from one to the other, and then the cost of figuring out what's a little bit different between setup A in cloud A and setup B in cloud B. And there are ways to sort of mitigate some of these things. There are, you know, Kubernetes types of platforms and others that will help mitigate part of it, but it's still, you know, dealing with, you know, uh, Azure IAM and AWS IAM or Google IAM and whatever. But the biggest thing is not so much the differences there and maybe the cost of having the skills to be able to do that, but it's really in if that's what you have to do or want to do, um, the idea being, well, if one cloud goes down, I just flip a switch, a DNS setting, a load balancer, and it goes over to cloud B, you got to have the data there. It's not just having you know a container or a VM or the applications there. It's having the data there. And you know having that that continuous replication uh, is very, very expensive and prohibitive for a lot of companies, except for the largest companies for the most mission critical applications. And so, you know, just like multi-region, you know, multi-cloud tends to sort of boil down to, to a certain extent, you know, technology can make that work, but B, how much is it going to cost me? And, you know, if I really understand uh, how much my application costs in terms of uptime and downtime, I can do that math. Um, I can figure out what it would probably cost to build that type of system. But in a lot of cases, you know, companies come back and they go, you know, this isn't really just sort of the cost of insurance. This is the cost of sort of a semi-active application, which could be, you know, fairly expensive uh, depending on how big it is, how frequently it changes, how much data it collects, all those sort of things. So 
you know, I think we always got to be a little bit careful when we talk about, um, you know, saying, hey, if an outage happens, that should be the only reason you have multi-region or multi-cloud or whatever, right? There are plenty of good reasons, technical reasons, uh, legal reasons, um, consistency of application, skill set reasons why you might use multi-region or multi-cloud. But to use it as a sort of knee-jerk reaction to a cloud outage, um, oftentimes you're going to find the reasoning and then the logic and then the economics of it don't always line up. So got to be a little bit careful with that. So anyways, I uh, kind of want to just throw a few thoughts out there, some stuff that we oftentimes talk about um, with between ourselves, Darren and I, but also a lot of the companies that we get a chance to talk to, um, both internally and externally and so forth. So, you know, kind of how they're thinking about it, how it's evolved over the last few years. And just kind of wanted to get a few thoughts out there again, um, not looking to, you know, shine a bright light on AWS because they had an outage because, you know, we don't really typically spend a lot of time saying, hey, just want to let you all know Slack had an outage. I want to let you all know that GitHub had an outage. I mean, you all know about that. You're dealing with it, right? You're using those services day in and day out. Uh, but I think, you know, some some common sense and, and some, you know, kind of some thought process around how to then respond to it is really interesting. Um, and, you know, our biggest hope is that more and more the transparency of, of how the clouds are actually designed uh, and then we learn as they fail um, or have failures, you know, we can then learn from them. I think that's going to be the biggest takeaway that we should always be pushing for when these um, – postmortems come out when the transparency comes out and i think you know that's just something that you know year in year out we're going to learn more and more about how the clouds work and and that's going to have trickle down effects about how companies you know interact with those clouds whether it's you know in SaaS or PaaS or IaaS or whatever the interaction mode is so with that i'm going to wrap it up i want to thank everybody for listening as always to the sunday perspectives and all the cloudcast shows um, as i mentioned getting close to the end of the year um, if there are you know, topics you want to start uh, getting us in uh, on, into your queue for 2021, please. I'm sorry, for 2022, please send us a, an email, show at thecloudcast.net. Uh, we're going to start queuing up shows for 2022. We've got most of January booked out. There's what we do, our look ahead shows, sort of, you know, big topics for the year, but uh, we will start getting into more and more new things for 2022. So feel free to shoot us an email, what you want to hear, what you want to learn about, and we will do our best to dig into it. So with that, I'm going to wrap up. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Thanks for uh, giving it a five-star rating in all the places that you get your podcast, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 